welcome to the Future Positive Podcast, part of the Future Positive community. I'm your host, Phil Hobden, Head of Customer Education here at Capitalize. And as always, I'm joined by Kirsty McGregor, founder of the Corporate Finance Network. Good afternoon, Kirsty. Good afternoon, Phil. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. I don't know if I'm coming or going these next couple of weeks. All these bank holidays are throwing me. Well, kids on holiday, kids not on holiday. I just don't, I don't know where I am. It's, yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. Like, I completely forgot tomorrow was a bank. So we're recording this on um, Thursday the 1st. So I completely forgot tomorrow was a bank holiday. So what I managed to do successfully is book a load of meetings for tomorrow and then totally realised I had to unbook all of them, um, which is stunning. But as we sit here today, C-bills officially ended in terms of new applications yesterday. And as expected uh, at Capitalize, we had a uh, what could best be described as a torrent of new applications on the last day. But look, um, the scheme really did a lot of uh, a lot of benefit to to the economy as well, and hopefully, recovery scheme will will be able to support. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. That's not what we're here to talk about today at all. In fact, we've got a great guest uh, this week, one I've really been looking uh, to talking to. So this week, our guest is Lucy Cohen. Lucy is the co-founder of Mizuno Account, as well as diversity and mental health champion, author of the Millennial Relations, and was named Woman of the Year zero technician at the first ever woman in accountancy and finance awards that's a lot to put on a business card i think i crack that joke every week now lucy welcome to the podcast good afternoon hi phil thanks for having me on uh our pleasure was there anything i missed out on that i think i I got as much as i could in in one breath i think you covered the broad strokes that's that's enough that'll do (laughs) um so look kirsty what are we going to be talking to lucy about this week uh, well, all sorts, because there's so much to talk to Lucy about. So let's crack on. I mean, I just to set the scene, I was I've looked followed Lucy's career over the last few years. And I know you've been around for a lot longer than that. But you came into my um, consciousness, I suppose, over the last few years with all these awards that you keep winning. And but the best one that I've heard of is Disruptor of the Year in 2019 <laughs> for the Great British Entrepreneur Awards of Wales in way all of Wales. Yeah. That's pretty impressive award to win. Were you proud? Yeah, it's great. You know, it, it's something that um, we we really we really pride ourselves, and I think we we pride ourselves on having quite a disruptive culture within Mazuma as a company, but also in terms of how we innovate um, what we do for our um, clients who are all micro businesses. It's a space where it's certainly within the accountancy industry we've not seen great innovation, we've not seen great disruption, and we started off in a very disruptive manner so to have um you i'm all about the self-validation i don't need external validation from other people but to have a little award to say you're a great disruptor and in fact you're the best disruptor in well wales that's yeah it feels pretty good it feels good i mean i think it's better than being the best accountant isn't it i'd much rather be the best disruptor than the best accountant and i think it's probably fairly fitting for my personality profile as well so it's probably more appropriate for me no, it's fantastic thing to have on your CV. And you, you're absolutely right. Looking at what you've done, you've always seems to be, you know, you challenge the norm. And the fact that the market that you went into, you chose to go into small and micro businesses and really focus on the compliance work when everybody else in the in the profession were, were looking for the bigger companies and were looking to do a lot more advisory work. So you've gone for the very low cost service, but high volumes. And yeah. I think that's really clever because, as you said, there's not been a lot of innovation in that area. And 
there hasn't been a lot of choice um, of, of any differentiation of choice for mm. those business owners. And it certainly is the largest market by a long way. Oh, and yeah. It's like yeah. it's keep keep growing again. I mean, what, what the question I have for you, though, is if I look back over the last 12 months and in particular this time last year when everything was just going crazy, I know the accountants that I spoke to were being inundated mm by their clients who were all ringing up, asking about furlough, grants, loans. How did they get through? It was, it was a mental health conversation. It was everything. It was complete shock. So when you've got them, as many clients as you've got, how on earth did you manage them? How did you cope? Was there a sudden avalanche? Yeah, it was. I won't lie. It's really hard. In retrospect, we might have done things differently, but everyone was, you know, um, you bucketing water out of the boat at that time. It was a case of fighting fires and all those other analogies. Um, it was really hard. Uh, what we tried to do was um, to really get ahead of the communications. We knew that as soon as these things started launching, our client base, um, because of, because of the, the profile they fit, we know the things that are going to trigger them to get in touch with us. So budget announcements, changes to rules, bad economic news, um, things that freak them out. Um, yeah, so someone goes, oh, you know, we, we kind of describe it as the things you might chat in your WhatsApp group to friends, but like, oh, have you seen this thing about that? Oh, that's a bit worrying. Um, they reached out to us. So we knew this was going to be, and that's all anyone was talking about. We knew it was going to be a big deal. Um, so we tried to get ahead of it. We made a page on the website where we just had all the latest update information I spent, uh, I think, every evening, every week for about a month updating this page on the website. Um, we posted it and pinned it across all of our social. We sent it proactively to all clients. We put it in the bottom of our email footers. We had it on our um, holding, on our hold calls, um, just to say, look, uh, we, know, we know you're scared. We know you're freaked out. Everyone is. We will help you. But in the meantime, we, we're, this is live. We're making this resource information. You can find everything specifically that you need here. And that was kind of our first tool in our arsenal to deal with it. And then it was about kind of implementing things like, which I think is kind of classic for lots of companies with high volumes do. So we never said we're not, we didn't switch our phones off. We didn't you know, say we're not answering calls. We just said, look, we're going to get to you. But this is a first come, first serve thing. If you continue, if you email us again, it's going to automatically put you to the bottom of the queue. So Hold tight. Our current SLA is still before 4 p.m. that day. We will get a response to you by 4 p.m. Um, and we did it. And I, I can only take my hats off to the team at the end of that who were um, who were who were incredible at kind of managing that. But yeah, it, it was it was a really challenging time, and I think it was a really challenging time because um, in terms of our staff as well, you know, our clients we're trusted advisors, even though we're we call it Compliance Plus. Um, we're trusted advisors, we base um, our service around the need for compliance, but you know, we know their stories, we know their lives, some of them have been with us for you know, as long as we've been going, 15 years, and when you hear them ring up scared, worried, nervous, anxious, you, you want to talk to them and you want to kind of reassure them, so our staff kind of became unofficial therapists and counsellors through the period as well and that's a, a, a really common story across the industry but yeah it was really hard work all we all we could do was to provide our staff and our clients with the tools they needed as we got them to kind of help them out that was it I love yeah. I love the fact that you kept your SLA as it usually <laughs> is I mean yeah. that that's a bold thing to, to kind of keep that service level and say, yeah. no, actually, we'll still get back to you by four o'clock today. Just just 
give us that time to do it. I mean, that's that's putting a lot of pressure, not even a doubt. Like, I think it would have been perfectly acceptable, right? If you've gone to your client and said, look, due to the situation, it's going to take us an extra day. But you said, yeah. no, 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 same day, we'll be fine. Yeah. And do you know what? In fact, we kept the SLAs um, on everything. So there was nothing that we didn't keep our SLAs on. Um, and there's a reason for that. I think because um, we wanted to stop this kind of um, uh, Black Friday effect. Um, in terms of when you know there's going to be a shortage of something, you rush to go and get it. So we wanted to get out there and, and, and kind of apply a bit of psychology, human psychology to the situation and go, look, nothing's changing. Service as usual for us. We're around. Don't worry. There's going to be no shortage of service for you. There's no scarcity impact in terms of you contacting us. So you can call us now. We can call us at three o'clock. It doesn't matter. Um, it, we're still going to happen. And I think that worked quite well because clients didn't feel that scarcity thing and they didn't think, oh, I better get in now before the lines get jammed. Um, we, didn't, we kind of didn't, we didn't deal with that. And it was quite rare in a time where everyone was running out to get the last packs of toilet roll and pasta to, yeah. to, 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 to be able to give, give that kind of calm and sense of normality, right? Yeah, and we started, so I've talked many times about the fact I'm an anxiety sufferer, and this is this is when my anxiety is a massive superpower, because um, about three to four weeks before we officially went into lockdown, um, I started kind of looking around at how people were behaving. When I was going to kind of events, I was like, I'm starting to feel very uncomfortable about this. Um, and I kind of said to the team, I'm like, we're going to buy a load of hardware, that we need and we're going to start getting people at home now um before we need to let's do it when we can not when we have to um and it gave people a chance to bed in and settle in and, and work through any kind of um any wrinkles in what we were doing quickly before it became that necessity um and i just you know i just felt it was really important to get there i said well i said your best case scenario i'm wrong and in three weeks we'll come back to the office um, but that obviously is, we're all still working at home. So I'm glad I kind of let my anxiety run the show in that case. Well, That's to be really fair, impressive. I mean, I was going to say, there were genuine stories. Uh, I was told by a couple of people of um, accounting firms sending their staff home on the tube with desk, with literally yeah. desktop computers. Yeah. So monitor under one arm and a hard drive yeah. under the other. And you kind of go... Well, that's maybe not the best way to instigate homework. Uh, it's, it's a way to do it. It's definitely a way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so impressive. And you, you meant you touched on your anxiety there, and you've also talked about depression recently. And yeah. The fact that you talk so candidly and honestly about your mental health and listening to you and watching you and people that know you will probably be quite surprised that you just look quite normal. And yeah. Normalize mental health yeah. is is so so impressive at the moment because I think so many people will be still going through it or about to go through it. Yeah. As things calm down, it's almost that that reaction after the event. Yeah. So do you think that your mental health did suffer in hindsight because you were looking after all the staff, you were looking after all the clients and, you know, how are you going to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I mean, we're all, we're all geniuses in hindsight, aren't we? Um, and, and I think that I've known that I've had anxiety for a very long time and I kind of, I, um, I know how that feels. I know how, I know my triggers. Um, I know when I need to do something about it versus when I need to listen to it. I sometimes describe it as a superpower um, in that it can make me incredibly focused and driven and loads of energy and getting stuff done. And sometimes, especially when you run a business and you've got 
32 people working for you. Um, you know, sometimes that's a real asset, but you can't operate at DEFCON 1 forever. You know, you're going to burn out. Um, and I didn't take active about it soon enough. And then I think after the anxiety subsided and you kind of have like, like you know, that adrenaline dump, you kind of come down off the top of the road a bit. So you're like, oh, all right, well, it's not even an anticlimax. This is it now. Um, the depression crept in. And actually, I think um, I, I've, I've spoken about it before, but in hindsight, I've definitely been depressed in the past. Now that um, I'm being treated for it, I recognise the difference in terms of that kind of, and it's a sliding scale, you know, it, it, we all have days where we're, we're higher or lower than other days. It's what it, it's being human. Um, so again, I think had I realised it, and I'm a bit annoyed at myself because I'm, I'm a big advocate for this and I'm normally pretty dialed into how I feel. I think I should have maybe taken action on it probably about three months sooner. Um, but, you know, it is what it is now. And I, you know, I think talking about it, um, in my study, Everyone has felt anxious and depressed and uncertain at various points throughout this last year or so, because it's been a really anxiety inducing, depressing time. It's been constant bad news on a 24 hour cycle. Um, and there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel. And then when there is light at the tunnel, like Christmas, it's snapped away again. So it's a really uncertain place to be. Um, and I think I just really, really strongly felt like after I wrote that article, so many people that I never knew suffered with depression uh, came forward and was like, oh, thanks for writing that. Yeah, I've been on whatever medication for 10 years now. I'm like, why? I've known you for eight years. Why didn't I know this? And it's just something that, you know, if I was taking an asthma pump or I was type 1 diabetic, I'd have no problem with going, oh, hang on a second, just got to sort my blood sugar out. I just don't, your brain is a physical part of your body. Um, I just see absolutely no difference in terms of me talking about the fact my brain's gone wonky versus the fact my knee's gone wonky. Like, I don't think there's a difference. Yeah. You're, you're such a, sorry, Kirsty, I was going to say, it's just such an interesting, I've never really thought of it that way before. And you're absolutely right. You know, if, if you're, like you say, if your knee goes wonky, you, you go, yeah. well, my knee's wonky, I'm going to go and fix it. But there's such a stigma about saying, well, actually, yeah. my head's gone a bit wonky. Yeah. And I need to need to treat that. That's a, it's, it's because you can't see it. It's because you can't see it. And, and we, we conflate the idea of your brain and your mind. And they are two different things. Your brain does chemical things constantly without us even knowing it. It controls your breathing, your pupil dilations. It, it controls all this stuff. You don't have to think about your heart beating, but your brain ultimately is kind of running the show there. So if something goes wrong in that mechanism, and for me, and my brain's not producing enough serotonin, so I get depressed, just uh, take something to replace it. You know, if you've got a, a, um, an underactive thyroid, you take a hormone to replace it and off you go. I just, it's no different. I don't see it as being any different to me. Yeah, it's just about, it is just chemical reactions and yeah. getting the balance right in your yeah. body. And, and because of the year that we've been through, as you said, everybody has had normal responses to abnormal situations Absolutely. and that is where your your mood will fluctuate everybody's mood will fluctuate because of the abnormal situation that's Absolutely. normal but then it's recognizing when it's you might need a little bit more help and it's going on for more than a couple of days isn't it yeah yeah if you've been if you've been feeling sad um or if you if you think about it and you can't remember the last time you were happy for more than like a day in a row or you kind of felt kind of not sad at any point then you need to go do you know what now is the time to ask for a bit of help because it's absolutely normal to have days where you feel a bit 
glum and you want to have a duvet day and, and be a sad a sad potato on, on the couch, that's absolutely fine. But if you find yourself being a sad bear for three weeks in a row, um, then you need a bit of help because your brain's just gone a bit wonky and it just needs a little bit of help to reset and then you can get back on your way. Yeah, yeah, spot on. So let's get back to the accounting firm because you've got such a, an unusual setup there in that you've, as I've said, you've focused on the compliance work in, incredibly. You must have refined your processes, your systems with the way that you, you operate, carry out the work with your recruitment, your staff training, and I suppose more than anything, your sales and marketing to bring that yeah. volume of clients in for you. And I know you've embraced tech, but mm. not the no, normal usual tech that most firms have gone for you've gone with fresh books so this is just quite fantastic how have you managed to work all that through how has it evolved over the last 15 years to get to where you are now right so I mean 15 years ago um cloud accounting wasn't really a thing like it, it was it was starting like 2005 maybe was it was kind of starting to be there kind of a, a hybrid cloud more like kind of virtual desktops I suppose but it wasn't what it is now websites were just an online brochure for what you did as a company they weren't interactive they weren't uh, driving sales and marketing and business and that's now one of our primary ways of gaining new businesses online um you know it, it, the world was a very different place um and I don't come from a practice background so I didn't have any kind of preconceived ideas about how compliance work should, in inverted commas, be done. Um, I just I just saw a problem and created a solution. And that's, I always kind of say, that's how I get my jollies. I am a problem solver. Give me a problem to solve and I'm happy. Um, don't get me to actually like implement the solution for the problem. That's not my bag. I'm not one of those people. I'll just tell you what to do and then I'll, I'll get bored and I'll move on to something else. I know what my strengths and weaknesses are and I am, I'm a, I'm not a complete finisher, definitely not. Um, but uh, I can definitely get a project started. So I saw this problem and I was like, well, this is this is bizarre. Why is there no good solution to this apart from kind of clunky desktop software um, or the once a year relationship with an accountant? And we, I, you just came up with the idea of, right, um, why can't they just post me this stuff once a month? That seems to make absolute sense. I haven't got to go anywhere. I'm fundamentally very lazy. I haven't got to go anywhere. Um, I can do it from home and then I can post it back to them. There's a post box down the road. It was it was really, really macro, really kind of baby steps business. And then as more clients like the idea, um, you start you start getting processes. And I've always loved a process. Um, even as a kid, I always love processes and kind of creating a way to do things. So again, really kind of suits my personality type. Um and one of the hardest things to do, I think, like you mentioned, the sales and marketing, is that no one had done this before in this way, like this subscription-based service, um, accessing something as you need it rather than the kind of once a year thing. It wasn't, especially in a service-based industry, it wasn't, it wasn't done. No one was doing it. Um, I got told by a business advisor it would never work. Bank managers wouldn't give us a bank account because they didn't think it was a good idea. Um, uh, obviously, I'm incredibly stubborn and ignored them. Um, and, and it just kind of evolved from that. And we had to, ex the number one question we got asked when we started, probably for the first seven years, so about half our life, was, well, why isn't anyone else doing this? And I was like, I don't know. It seems so obvious. I don't know. I, 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 I can't believe that I was the person to change this industry because it just seemed like such an obvious thing to do. Um, but apparently wasn't that obvious. Um, and it's just kind of evolved from there. Now we've... Um, Purple envelopes turned into uh, physical envelopes, turned into free post envelopes, and we had a bit more money and we could pay 
further people's postage. Um, the uh, um, the spare bedroom where we shared a printer cable between two old laptops turned into an office with servers and cloud and all that kind of stuff. And we just kept putting money back into the business to improve it. And it's always been about, I never see it as being, right, we've got a process now, it's done. It's a, right, this is how we're doing it at the moment. But if we notice that something's off or we need to improve something or technology changes, um, for us, the development of um, uh, optical character recognition tech and the improvement in that plus open banking has been a game changer because that has finally, after many years of me snooping around and watching it, it was finally good enough to be able, it's finally better than a human, which is always our, that's our litmus test. Is it better than a human doing it? Is it better than one of our well-trained experts doing it? And if it's quicker than them doing it, great. We can get our experts to do something else. Perfect. Um, so that's kind of been how it's evolved, really. Um, and in terms of the tech that we use, I, I, I kind of, I don't like this word tech stack. We talk about it a lot. I know it is a thing. It's a good description for what it is. But it doesn't apply to what we do because we don't look at our client base and decide what tech fits into it. We look at our client base and decide what precisely they need and then develop the tech to meet that need. Um, and there's never, a, there's never a good fit. You know, if you're, um, it, and again, in the same way that that process worked for our clients, the purple envelope worked for our clients because it was a, it worked for our clients because it was an easy thing to get your head around and it worked for us because it looked different to the rest of my mail because it was purple. Really, really basic stuff there. Um, the, the tech stuff, we have always been um, early adopters of uh, different sorts of technology, but very considered in how we do it big testing, um, real kind of cost benefit analysis, really data driven decisions, because I absolutely hate the idea of implementing something change for the sake of change. You, there's no point doing it if it doesn't make your boat go faster. Otherwise, what is the point? Um, so now we've got to a place where we've actually developed our own technology. So we're in two weeks, a ah, uh, new, um, we're going to beta with the i'm just looking at the date now it's the first of april we're going to beta with our new technology in two weeks time we've got a pretty hardcore testing schedule and that's bookkeeping software um, but it's not for license it's just for us um because for us nothing quite met the needs of our clients and our staff simultaneously so we built them simple as that um and then what that's going to allow us to do is to actually be more software agnostic because we're going to be able to people who really like to use a different piece of software like you know it's a zero quickbooks whatever um we can potentially integrate with them and pull that data into our system so that we can work in our way keep those prices down keep the efficiencies that we spend all these years building um but allow people the freedom to kind of work in the way they want to as well they might work with other advisors for specialist things that require them to use those things so, so we can do that as well and in terms of pairing with fresh books they've got a really similar outlook to us in terms of the micro business space in that they they very much see the accountant plus technology being that kind of killer combo um and they their tech provides things that we can't do for clients who um tracking uh, other bits and pieces um so uh, taking payments etc so it was a really good partnership to have um with them because uh culturally we're very similar um, and they they really got they've got their eye on the same market as and we very much it's cooperation rather than competition which is really cheesy but I quite like it gosh that is so exciting so besides the new tech platform coming how else are you going to plan to take the firm forward now you've come such a long way you, 
like you say you never feel like the job's done you're always no. looking to evolve it what opportunities are you looking to maximize next so the tech is a um a big step for us um and we are moving more into that uh, space of uh, one of our slogans internally is where tech meets people and that's um something that for us is really important is to keep that human element um for our clients but also recognize that ultimately what our clients want is the quickest way to an answer um they don't want to book in a meeting with somebody to ask them a question about uh, mileage costs. They want an answer to that question. So we're looking at developing efficiencies. Um, and then the next few months is about kind of bedding in the new technology and what that new technology gives us the capacity to scale because we we run the firm like a manufacturing business. So it, you know, things go through a production line essentially. Um, and I think the new technology will ultimately be saving us something um, around 23 minutes per client per month. And what that means is that we can scale. So we don't need the headcount in order to scale or the headcount will be in a different direction. So it'll be in more support roles or um, uh, more uh, you know, high, more high, highly qualified staff rather than taking on people that kind of deal with messing about with data. Um, and then it's the scale. So we've got our eyes on 10,000 subscribers um, on the service in the next two years. Um, and you know, to continue to, to grow to, to work on partnerships with great companies who share that kind of who share that ethos I think is really important for me it's obviously it has to work commercially but it has to work on a human level as well like I, I don't want to do business for people I don't like um I feel like I've reached a point where I don't need to do that anymore so we really want to work with companies that we love and we get excited about and we share their kind of vision and mission and that's really the next phase and then to see where the other opportunities are you know with the technology and the service we can give and the customer service um i think we can really up our game in terms of our offering i'm always excited about what more we can do for clients um i think we can massively up our game we've got more we can do uh, and yeah and just to i'll be i've said this kind of before that i feel like i've been a startup kind of eight times over in mazuma like i feel like we're always going through some sort of startup phase um, and this is another one of those phases where I feel like we're in a place where we're pitching the new thing we're doing and we're having to we're answering that question again. Well, why is it anyone else doing it? And I'm like, I don't know, it seems like really obvious, but yeah, we're doing it. Um, and yeah, and I'm just excited to see kind of how that evolves again, this kind of new startup phase, what this kind of next set of the curve looks like for us. I think it's going to be, we're going to change from being an accounting firm where the majority of people who work for us are accountants into a, a accounts tech firm where we have that combination of tech devs of um custom support of partnership management of sales marketing uh, and then accountants providing the the core service and that's as a business owner that's quite exciting to kind of have different departments because i remember when i was all the departments so it's quite exciting to have other people do it it's do you know what really strikes me is listening to you talk about it and how how you discuss it. You're as close to a like I've worked in a couple of startup businesses in my time, and and you're as close to a, a startup entrepreneur in any tech space. And it just, it almost seems like you just happen to be working in accountancy. Yeah, you could easily take that and go and start up a tech platform and do something else. You've got that kind of startup. Um, entrepreneurial mentality which is it's genuinely infectious and it's genuinely great to hear you uh hear you talk about it I love what I do I think it's like I love it I mean, don't get me wrong you can love something and it still be the worst thing you ever do sometimes and you can love something and hate it at the same time but I love that like 
I, I, I found a picture um, a few weeks back of our first business card and it just made me want to cry a little bit because it was so cute. It was, <laughs> we couldn't afford, set, Sophie and I couldn't afford separate business cards. So we had a joint business card, which was only, <laughs> it was only printed on one side and it, it was a design that I'd drawn in like MS Paint, so it was terrible. And um, it was, it just had like our names and our telephone numbers on it. And we both hand this out because we couldn't afford to have two separate sets of business cards printed. And I looked back at that and I was like, that's so cute. And also look how far you came, like look how far. And I think it's really easy to never take stock. Um, it's really easy to just keep plowing ahead, uh, especially the last year or two, because I'm used to seeing, I've seen Sophie almost every day of my life since I was 11. Um, and it's really been really weird to not see her all the time. And um, especially this last year, it's been really easy not to take stock. Normally, we kind of you know, we sit down, we go out for lunch or something, we have a glass of wine, we go, oh, look what we did this year, it's not fun. And we've not had the opportunity to kind of have those small success celebrations. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool to kind of go back and take stock and look how far we've come. And then it makes me really excited about, oh, well, we've got this far. Like, what's, you know, what's next? A couple of years ago, we had uh, people who were quite interested in acquiring. And it was the fact that people were interested made me go, actually, it's not the time because if you're thinking this is good for you now, I'm thinking in five years' time, this is a lot better for me. So we, we kind of kept going. Mm. Do you know, I, I think the key, the most important thing you've said or the most interesting thing you've said is that you're not from a practice background. No. And as much as I absolutely love the profession and I love all the accountants that we work with, there does send, tend to be that we, we get stuck in a rut yeah. of what's been done before. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you've been able to build something from the ground up without knowing what it was supposed to look like, yeah. but you created something that worked. It, the, the phrase comes to mind, if Carlsberg were accountants. <laughs> Carlsberg, <laughs> isn't it? I'm not telling. Yeah, if they were accountants, then that's what they would have built. So I'm really, really impressed with what you've done. And I can't wait to see what comes next. That was good, Phil, wasn't it? That was a, I mean, that that was also, I always think that the, uh, the, the, the mark of a good podcast episode is one where you're A, transfixed by what's being said and B, that you really want to jump in and make it five hours long, which I think, <laughs> I think Lucy, with us, we could probably easily do. Um, you, had a, you had a good go then, Bill. I could talk all day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, thanks, Lucy. It's been great, really genuinely great to talk to you today. You can find out uh, more about Lucy and uh, Mazuma at www.mazumamoney.co.uk and via your regular column, her regular column, sorry, on Accounting Web. Also, the excellent People Matters series um, on Accounting Web returns in May. Yeah. Uh, and that is uh, genuinely brilliant. Um, someone from Capitalize has, has been on there um, highlighting uh, diversity around the Black Lives Matter thing, uh, kind of period. And I think that was, it was such a powerful um, episode. So like, I really recommend that. So um, look. Yeah, that was, what, that was actually just a leap in there. I know we're finishing, but that was one of my favourite episodes. And I'm so... Um, privilege that I get a platform to talk about this stuff and use it for something so important. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm biased, but I think it's a great show. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. Um, so next episode, we'll be joined by, uh, talking about Accounting Web, we'll be joined by John Stockdike, uh, Editor-in-Chief for Accounting Web. Um, and we'll be talking about the role the media have played and continue to play as the profession evolves. So again, Lucy, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Kirsty, thank you for uh, once again coming back. Uh, I definitely couldn't do this without you. And to find out more about the community at futurepositivecommunity.com. Thanks, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Mm -hmm.